0: Well, it's been a while since I've heard this one, and my goodness, it's a destroyer. Alanis has a bunch of destroyers, and this is one of them. And by destroyer, I mean (laughs) it destroys me, but in a good way. It helps me feel like this is just like, after hearing it, I just start crying because I think about stuff, which is what... Music can do, I would argue is supposed to do It's supposed to bring out feelings in us That we may be uh, bottling up And it's a way to let it out In a in a, in a healthy and, and constructive way So um, yeah, I didn't expect to review this song I was planning on reviewing And I will review um, a song by Jess Locke Called Tell Me I'm Okay And for whatever reason It just reminded me of um, that I would be good. And then with Alanis, um, I'm on Long Island and Alanis just came by here a week or two ago at Jones beach, you know, as places are, are opening up and she, uh, she performed live. I don't think she performed this song, but you know, she performed a lot of Jagged Little Pill and, you know, just going back out there on tour and celebrating, um, what is it, the 25th anniversary of Jagged Little Pill. But uh, what better way to uh, celebrate Jagged Little Pill than to do something off the supposed former Infatuation Junkie, her second album. And um, this is, uh, the album's solid, um, has some really great songs on it. it. It was such a... A lot to live up to after the monster that jagged little pill was. It sold like a bajillion copies back when albums sold that much. Um, but um, yeah, so that that I would be good um, when I uh, I just listened to it and I listened to some live versions of it, and her live versions are better than. Um, then. As good as the studio version is on this album, the live versions that I listen to are just so much more powerful, and just her stage presence and how just strong her voice is and how powerful her voice is just makes it uh, uh, so much better than the studio version. Um, but the studio version is great, so I will uh, review that, um, and, and, and this is usually just... My reaction, like, right after I listen to it. So it's not as I'm listening to it, but it's right after, and I assure you, it's right after I listen to it. Um, So it starts with the amp humming, and it's been a while since I've heard this song, so I had to make sure it wasn't my computer that was... Messing up, so I had to put another song on. I put Front Row on, which is the first song off this album, just to make sure I, it wasn't any buzzing. But I figured it was the buzzing on, you know, the recorded version. I don't know if that was an accident, but it kind of has a nice touch. Um, and then just instrumental wise, because I'll just analyze the lyrics mostly instrumental wise. I remember hearing this first song, for, this song for the very first time, and I knew Alanis played the flute, even though on the the liner notes it says she played the flute because. I don't know. For some reason, I thought to myself, you know, the 1999 me is like, well, I recognize your breath. And it turns out the 1998, 1999 me was correct. Um yeah, so she played the flute on this as well. And she plays the flute. Um, she plays the flute live. And as far as the lyrics go. Anytime I do a song and I, and I kind of go over the lyrics, I, I usually use the internet. and But I find a, some of the time, or if not a lot of the time, the lyrics are wrong. I don't know why. They're just some, completely wrong. So to uh, to show how authentic I am and to possibly date myself, but that's okay, I have the CD booklet, booklet of the supposed former Infatuation Junkie CD. I Hear that? That's a CD booklet. So the lyrics are inside the booklet. So these are, the. I know these lyrics are correct because it's not from the Internet. It's from, you know, a credible source, and more on that later. I hope you're getting your information from credible sources. So I'm going to read the lyrics right from this book. And the lyrics are straightforward, and, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes it's cool to have lyrics that are, you know, kind of ambiguous. It kind of leaves you wondering, what does this mean? And you can do your own interpretation. Other times it hits you right over the head and there's an, you know, I'm fine with, with both. It really depends on how it serves the song. And, and Alanis's lyrics are, um, very straightforward, uh, very powerful, definitely something that needs to be said. And I feel that the, this is the way people feel uh, it's certainly the way I have felt and in many many times of my life this is probably why this song has resonated with me so much even you know like it's probably been oh, wow really really long time since I since I last heard this song so um so I'll go through the straightforward lyrics, but I'll still comment on things um, so, That I would be good even if I did nothing. So the the point of this song is to how we we judge ourselves, um, how we view ourselves. Maybe judge is too harsh a word. um, How we look at our self-worth. For some, it's, well, if I don't look a certain way, I am worthless if I weigh a certain amount. I am worthless if I um if I don't have a significant other. I am worthless if I don't have a quote-unquote good job. I am worthless. So all of these things that it's really I think society puts on people in so many different ways. So it's really trying to find that um that worth from within, you know, the uh, intrinsically, as opposed to getting validation from outside sources. And I'm not saying validation from outside sources isn't good. I I think it is, and I think it can be a, a good motivator. However, it doesn't last because outside sources can be fickle. Um, but if you have that within you, that that belief. Um, well, not belief. It's um, it's just a, a very strong. Uh, self worth, very high self worth, very high opinion of yourself, without being arrogant, um, that can be used as a shield to protect you from the societal forces that are very, 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 very powerful. Especially if you're uh, from a protected class, if you're if you're someone who is is vulnerable, or if you're someone who is just beaten down and picked on a lot, um, it could chip away your self worth. So it's it's developing a solid foundation, so it's not a house of cards. So if you lose one thing about yourself, regardless of what it is, you're not going to fall apart. So um, anyway, but I digress. So that I would be good even if I did nothing, Uh, which means, you know, maybe you don't want to do anything. Maybe you don't have a job or maybe you're trying to figure things out and you're kind of doing nothing at this point. And being in a pandemic, uh, some people did nothing because one, it wasn't necessarily safe to go out and do something. Two, they may have uh, uh, lost their job and were trying to figure out what to do. And they were hopefully getting some kind of uh, monetary support from, from the government to, you know, prevent themselves from starving um so so yeah you you may be doing nothing and 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 that's okay you would still be good um that I would be good even if I got the thumbs down. And that's that societal pressure that I'm talking about. And this was 1999. So the internet was maybe five years old. So it was still trying to find its way. And, you know, the internet can be great, but it can also be a gigantic hellmouth. And um, part of the reason why it's a gigantic hellmouth is because People get thumbs down. People get thumbs down now from complete strangers, and someone like Alanis can get thumbs down from millions of people um, who have, uh, talk about S.H.I.E.L.D., they have a S.H.I.E.L.D. of anonymity to where they can say what they want and uh, don't really face the consequences for it unless it's like maybe banned from Twitter or in Facebook jail or, or something like that. So, um, So, yeah it's a lot of thumbs down going on and and that's where having building that self worth is so important. So how do you build that self worth? It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's having compassion for yourself. So it's, um, it's, it's treating yourself the way that you would treat the person you love the most in the world. Um, where you wouldn't say something if they did something wrong, you wouldn't say something cruel to them because that would just paralyze them and and um, would hurt them, and you wouldn't want to hurt them. Uh, you would want to say something something compassionate, acknowledge mistakes, and say, "Hey, this is what we can do to 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 kind of move on from this." And it's it's really doing that to yourself. And and we can certainly be our own uh, worst critics sometimes. Um, that I would be good if I got. And stayed sick So yeah, so it just reminds me of times in my childhood I was sick a lot as a kid I always had strep throat, it seems, or bronchitis And uh, there were moments where it's like I wanted to go outside And, and hang out or play with friends and, and, and I couldn't or just do things because because I was sick And I just felt just awful And then judging myself going, oh, I can't believe you got sick And 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 now that we're sick, we're missing out on things Um So, so yeah, it's, 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 if I could do it again, it's like, yeah, we're, we're sick now, uh, we're, we're gonna get better, um, you know, and, and even if we don't, um, it's still having that compassion for yourself to, to, to hopefully make things, uh, less worse, um, but yeah, so if I got and stayed sick, um, that I would be good even if I gained 10 pounds, um, yeah, so it's, um. That's a societal pressure and society judges us um, by, hey, you got to have as a man, you got to have the six pack abs and you got to have muscles and you got to look like the Captain America. And meanwhile, like those Marvel superheroes are on just ridiculous regimens that um, that are really hard to maintain when they're not being paid millions of dollars in training eight hours a day. If you're training eight hours a day, um, I guess it's all right for a movie, but how do you live a life like that? And and how do you work a job like that? Um, and if it's, um, if it's trying to, 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 bring yourself to be that kind of ideal it's it's a lot of self-sacrifice and and if someone loses that if someone can't look that way anymore not to uh all of a sudden lose themselves so it's it's all these little specific things that Alanis mentions um to where if it's lost um your self-worth doesn't become a house of cards, so it's like not becoming a house of cards but becoming, you know, a concrete foundation um, that I would be fine... Even if I went bankrupt. So, yeah. So, so society could judge people on, well, this person doesn't have any money or this person went bankrupt. They must have not known something or they must have not been smart or they really messed this up. And how can they do that? Especially if someone was really, really rich and then all of a sudden they're, they're not rich anymore. Um, it, uh, it it can certainly have them question their self-worth, um, not only from themselves, but the way way that other the things that other people are saying about them um and this can go you know if you're not a celebrity just from your inner circle or the the people around your inner circle or someone maybe at a party that you just met and all of a sudden they start judging you Uh, you don't want those kind of people in your life um that I would be good, and I'm laughing if I lost my hair in my youth. Listen, I've lost them both. Um, I don't have any hair, and w- when I <laughs> when I when I had to when I started going bald, I was just like, oh no, I just want to have a full head of hair, and it and and I was kind of beating myself up about it. Meanwhile, it's not my fault I don't have hair. It's I'm going to blame my my parents. I'm going to blame my genetics. Um, so so yeah, I I. I don't want to create some kind of worth for myself because of what's on my head. You know, I, I want to treat my hair or lack thereof of hair or my face, you know, uh, to where I am comfortable in the way that I look and and the, the preferred way that I look, which, of course, I, I shave my head now because I don't think I would look that good with, uh, you know, a bald spot or spotty hair. Now, if someone else wants to look that way, hey, that's cool too. That's fine. Um, you know, it's also figuring out what's what's the best for you, um, and hopefully not giving into uh, once again societal pressure and and youth too. Age is ageism is a thing, um, and maybe it's because I'm I'm getting older. I'm going to be 45 in a couple of months, but um, I I. I I'm I'm trying to reframe the aging argument because I'm hearing people saying, Oh, well, I must be old and I'm getting old. Like like uh, getting old is is a bad thing. Um, and I don't want to look at it like that. I don't want to look at um, you know, as being older as something worse, or being younger as something better, or vice. Versa, Um, just because someone is a certain age uh, doesn't mean they have um, something to offer. Now that being said, uh, you know child labor laws, for example, are in effect to protect uh, the most vulnerable, who are who are children. So yeah, depending on the age of someone, they need to be protected. Uh, That being said, you know you can learn a lot from a child. You can, you can, you know, I, I know I'm not a parent, but I know people who are parents that learn so much about themselves watching their, you know, one month old. Um, you learn, can learn patience and compassion and, and empathy and, and, um, listening even, um, as the child gets older and they start to talk to you. So you, you, you learn what makes yourself better and, and how you can evolve regardless of the, the age of someone, you, you speak to so um so yeah I'm I'm doing my best to reframe the um the uh, the age argument you know just because you're older doesn't mean you're you're bad just because you're younger doesn't mean you're good or vice versa um, that I would be great if I was no longer queen so. That's interesting. I guess I'm I'm guessing this is just coming off again. Jagged Little Pill is a, it still is, I mean, just a, a juggernaut of an album. There's a Broadway show. She's, you know, touring on the, the anniversary of it. The album sold in excess of 10 million copies, which is unheard of these days. Um, it was such— a gigantic record, and Alanis was everywhere. Alanis was was a, a child actor actress. Um, she was on You Can't Do That on Television, which I I don't remember Alanis being on when I watched it, but I certainly watched that show in the eighties. Um, I think Alanis was. On the, the later side of that Because I don't really remember her I remember like Moose McGlade and, and Lisa Motormouth Ruddy And and Alistair And Kevin Ilyanovich Rasputin Kubitschewski And I think those are the Oh and, and Barfy Burgers and all that But anyway So Alanis was on that show But then she had a, a pop career And then Jagged Little Pill came out Which was more of a um, uh, rock-oriented album, um, some some really lyrically heavy and musically heavy songs, but then there was a lighter side as well. But it was such a powerful album. So she was, I you know, a queen back then, and this was the album after her, after she was re- sitting on the throne. So maybe that's a nod to where she was um, and and where she. Is where she was at the time and where she was, you know, a couple, maybe two or three years before. I saw Alanis Morissette on the Jagged Little Pill Tour at Jones Beach, again, which she just played, and this must have been 1996. Um, And Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters was on drums still, and uh, Radiohead opened up. So it was like 1995, 1996. Radiohead was still on the Benz Tour, Um, so OK Computer didn't come out yet. And Alanis did songs from Jagged Little Pill. And there was, I think the tour was called, like, Can't Not Tora. So I think she had, like, one new song. But it was basically the the Jagged Little Pill album, at least from what I can remember. It wasn't the supposed former Infatuation Junkie tour. At least not from what I can remember anyway. I'm pretty sure that's how it was. It was a thousand years ago. Um, That I Would Be Grand. If I was not all-knowing, and yeah, um, I I like knowing things. I like being knowledgeable. However, if I lost half or all of that knowledge, I you know I would like to think I would I would still uh, be of worth. Um, that again, that losing any kind of quality about yourself that you love about yourself wouldn't bring. Yourself down, you know, and that comes with identity. Uh, personally, when I was an actor for for a while, um, and when I stopped acting, I, I didn't know what I didn't know what to do because acting was such a part of my identity. And when I lost that, um, I lost a bit of myself, and it and it took a while to uh, to regain that. So I'm I'm in a good spot now. Um, I'm not acting; haven't acted in a while. I'd like to get back into it but i'm i'm fulfilled um with uh my career and and certain aspects of my life and i'm always trying to improve uh the aspects of my life that uh that i feel needs improving um so um that i would be loved even when i numb myself so i think of substance abuse and substance abuse uh, typically is because when people are in pain and the pain is so great, you know, and the pain can be in the form of, you know, anxiety or even could be in the form of physical pain, and you just want to, or depression, and you want to numb that because you don't want to feel anything. Um, and then what comes, could what could come from that is the shame after. After those actions, after numbing oneself, and then it just creates a vicious cycle. So it's you feel pain from the shame, and then you numb yourself again, and then you feel pain from the shame from doing that, and then you numb yourself again, and then it gets into this vicious cycle. So it's 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 again um, even so the the lesson to take, I think, is if you slip up and you. And you numb yourself. It's it's having the compassion for yourself, and um and and learning from it. How is how is this serving you? Uh, and trying not to beat yourself up um, over it, because that that can you know that can cause another vicious cycle again. Um, that I would be good even when I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. So being overwhelmed um, could be again. This is. Societal, you know, if you're overwhelmed, you must be weak. You have to take it. Uh, You have to learn how to take it. You got to roll with it. It's all this toxic positivity, um, where from people who I'm sure are well intentioned, it's just that the effect is uh, is the opposite of their intentions. So it's it's all this stuff where it's like, well, don't be overwhelmed, or I know you're anxious, but don't be anxious, which never works. Never say that to anyone. No, when someone's angry or someone's sad, you don't want to say, well, just relax or don't be angry. Don't be sad. It doesn't work. Please don't do it. It doesn't work. I think if it did work, no one would be angry or sad for that long amount of time because you would just need someone to say, well, don't be angry. It's like, oh my goodness, I wish I would have thought of that before. Um, Yeah. So the, the best way to deal with these kind of things is to, you know, you want to talk to someone and you want to get those feelings out. Um, and hopefully, the person you talk to at least validates how overwhelmed you might be. Um, and if you don't talk to someone, you know, at least acknowledge that this is what you're feeling, and 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 don't fight it, because because if you fight it, it could. It could uh, it can get stronger and it can cause more feelings of overwhelm because you're the you're still feeling overwhelmed and now you're overwhelmed about feeling overwhelmed so it's acknowledging how you're feeling and knowing that it'll it'll ebb and flow and and it'll eventually pass um, and let's see that I would be loved even when I was fuming so uh, there comes the uh, another. Um, feeling of of anger so yeah so she can be fuming and it could be the fear of well if i get angry at this person they're not going to love me anymore and if someone is is um if someone treats you like that where you you're, you're going to be angry and they're not validating that anger or if they if they tell you to stop and and it turns into an argument and not validating that anger um do they do they really love you? You know, well maybe that's a little harsh, but um it's it's still being good and still being of worth, even though you're angry because you know, human beings, we're human beings and human beings are angry. So it's finding a safe space to feel that anger without judgment. You know, therapy is always a good space to do it. Um if you're with a friend or companion or someone who you really trust where you can feel those feelings. Um and you'll feel better after feeling those feelings because sometimes when we feel our feelings we get invalidated by people and that's where it's like well stop being angry and why are you so angry and hey calm down all right you know it's 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 all of that it's it's that kind of tone policing that um that can really hurt people and and it can make it can make things worse so it's just like a lot of the song i think is well, is her having self doubt and questioning herself. and and i also think trying to find validation w- within that you're trying to to you know maybe some reassurance and and reassurance can have its positives and and negatives if um, if if you look for someone for reassurance all the time that can create codependence. Um, I think a better tact is you know like I said talking to someone and and having them. Validate what you're saying, and, and knowing that there's someone there to support you, no matter how you feel, because your feelings are always. And I tend not to use the word always because I'm not a fan of the you know either or black and white language. But but your feelings are always right. They're always right because that's how you feel. Um, those feelings could change, um, but for you to uh, they can change naturally. But for you to try and say, well, I'm not going to be angry anymore. Could it work? Yeah. Um, but I think. A, the, the a good way out is through so it's feeling that anger and then you know just letting it pass and then once you feel that anger maybe you can um uh maybe you'll be a little calm and you'll be able to think better and then see how you feel after that but but always acknowledging uh and and knowing that your your feelings are correct and they're always right even if it's not Socially acceptable. It's always right, and that's the good part about um, having a therapist. It's or a good therapist. If that therapist would be good, um, where it's it's giving a person space to state their feelings and to and to validate them. Never never invalidate. Um, that I would be good even if I was clingy, you know, and, and that's, and that's another thing where say if you're in a relationship and and you're clinging to someone, again, that can create codependence and hopefully the relationship is secure where the person can say, Hey, you're being a little clingy now. And then you can, and then you can say, Oh, okay. And then kind of, and kind of talk it out and develop boundaries. Um, but, but doing it again in a, in a in a safe environment. And, you know, people are clingy sometimes, so it's like, all right, you're, you're being clingy, and that's okay. You know, some people may like the clinginess, other people won't. You know, it really depends, but it's just acknowledging that this is what's going on and still, you know, finding that good within yourself um, regardless how you're behaving. And even if you do something that you may not agree with, you know, a minute from a minute after, or a year after, or ten years after, it's finding that compassion within yourself to uh, to learn from the behavior and and how to change it to where to where you can feel better. Um, that I would be good even if I lost sanity, and she starts to do things um, that could um, institutionalize her uh, and 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 give her um, some kind of diagnosis. You know, would she still be quote unquote good? And the the answer is it's finding that worth again within yourself, no matter what your label, no matter what you what happens to you, no matter where you live, it's it's finding that that goodness within yourself. And and I think Alanis is is really asking herself this, asking others this, and she kind of leaves it, um, you know. She doesn't answer the question. It's the song is is a bunch of questions that she doesn't answer. She kind of leaves it open, which I think is part of the uh, the brilliance of this song. You know, the lyrics are very straightforward, but there's I think there's there's another layer to it. Um, that I would be good whether with or without you, and you know. Relationships, significant others, uh, we could build our worth on it. I've been in relationships where it's like I, I'll, I'm, I can be with a person and I feel great, I just walking on air. But then when I'm not with that person, you know, or if, or if we break up, I just, you know, and I'm thinking of one person in particular. Uh, after we, we broke up, I, I felt worthless because I thought, well, she was the answer to everything. And again, it's that black and light, black and white language. This was a really long time ago. Um, but I still remember how I felt and it was really from that breakup that I learned a lot and not to, not to, um, not to, um, measure my worth on who I'm with, um, now, being with someone is fantastic. If you're in a relationship where you really love that person, it can bring out so much in you it can enhance the excellent qualities that you have. It's just you don't want to fall into that trap where if you lose that person the next day, what would what would you think of yourself um, and and breaking up is is a form of you know a, a loss it's it, when people break up they grieve and it's similar to grieving a death even though that person is still alive you're you're they're not a part of you they're they're not with you anymore your chances are you will never see them again or if you do see them again it's not going to be the same you're not going to be with them romantically so it's um so if you lose that person it's not losing yourself if you lose that person. And um, and that's a very important thing because, you know, you, you hear it, I'm sure, with people that you know, oh my God, if, if we break up, my life is going to be over. I'm not going to know what to do with myself. And that's where codependence can, can happen. Or even, you know, if you're depending on this person to really keep your self-worth at a high level, I would, you know, Uh, try and do some things that bring up your self-worth, um, because if you lose that person for whatever reason, um, you know, that house of cards can fall. So, um, so yeah, so those are all the, the lyrics to this. Like I said, straightforward lyrically, but I think, uh, there's, there's layers to it. Just a beautiful melody, a very powerful song. Let's not forget the flute solo. Um, and um, definitely catch a version of this live. Um, and and I think you know another great part about music is that it it, it validates you know I, I'm talking about validating this whole time. Music validates what we feel, and I think what draws us to music is that this person feels exactly the way I feel, and they're able to put it into the power of music, the power of lyrics, and the power of voice. And um, it just creates this combination where it, it helps us feel. And when we feel in a safe environment and a concert can be a safe environment, in your bedroom can privately can be a safe environment to where you're you're feeling those feelings, music is is a very, very powerful catalyst for the, for that. Um you know, I. Uh, it's 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 impossible because there's always going to be music. But if if music disappeared, I I would feel at such a loss. Um, I I think I would. I no, I don't think I would. Um, I would lose a part of myself um, or I don't think – well, I I would lose a part of myself because I love music so much. But I don't feel I would lose self-worth because I – at least I hope I've built up such a a foundation that if I lost anything, I could still be devastated. Um, At the same time, though, with that foundation, I can always rebuild. So it's kind of like if you lose your house in a storm – but the foundation is there. You can rebuild and not have the house sink or something like that. That's a, it's it's like two a.m. So it's a. Um, that's the metaphor I have right now, anyway. But it's having that foundation to where any kind of loss it's can be devastating. At the same time, you'll be able to rebuild uh, after you grieve um, in a hopefully healthy and constructive manner. So uh, so yeah so. Excellent job, Alanis. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're listening to to my validation of your of your of your song. But uh, just just an incredible artist, incredible voice, and uh, just the longevity that she's shown. Um, you know, she's just showing it now. She's selling out everywhere she goes, and she's playing arenas with garbage opening up. And, and I saw it's garbage. And um, it was supposed to be it's garbage and, and cat power, but it was supposed to be Liz Fair but Liz Fair had to cancel I forgot why but a garbage I saw 1996 maybe 1995 at Roseland Ballroom in Manhattan that place unfortunately isn't there anymore i saw so many great shows there but uh and garbage was one of them that was a great show so um glad they're still around and and still rocking um so it goes the show you know they may have lost their youth whatever that means but uh but they're still doing what they do and that's great so Um, so speaking of great, um, if you think this podcast is great, you can, uh, you can rate and review, and then you can also follow me on Twitter at MMAM Podcast. You can find me on Facebook at MMAM Podcast. You can email me at MMAMpodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. And like I said, I've mentioned concerts, I've mentioned this, I've mentioned that in New York. Things are going... You know pandemic wise, it's it's uh, it could be better. I wish more people, I wish everybody got vaccinated. Unfortunately, not everybody is. Uh, the mandates are, are starting to, to roll in, definitely in, in Manhattan, they are. So it's becoming a little less dangerous, it's becoming safer. So, hopefully. People follow the science to get us out of this because that's what will get us out of this. So that means getting your information from credible sources and not misinformation or disinformation, propaganda, um, influencers, social media. You don't want to really go on that. You want to go to credible sources like the New York Times, NPR, BBC, USA Today, um, organizations that really practice journalism to uh, inform you. Uh, to the best of your ability, to where you can make um, really important decisions now. Uh, Life or death decisions, uh, unfortunately, and that's where knowledge comes in, because knowledge is power. All right, so stay powerful, stay safe, and uh, until next time, everybody, take care. Bye.